Numbers chapter 21, and I want us to read from verse 21 through verse 32. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 21. And Israel sent messengers unto Zihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through thy land. We will not turn into the fields or into the vineyards. We will not drink of the well, waters of the well, but we will go along by the king's highway until we be past thy borders. And Zihon would not suffer Israel to pass through his border. But Zihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel into the wilderness. And he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. And Israel smote him with the edge of the sword and possessed his land from Arnon unto Jabbok even unto the children of Ammon. For the border of the children of Ammon was strong. And Israel took all these cities. And Israel dwelt in all the cities of the Amorites, in Heshbon and in all the villages thereof. For Heshbon was the city of Zihon, the king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had and taken all his land out of his hand, even unto Arnon. Wherefore, they that speak in Proverbs say, Come into Heshbon, and let the city of Zihon be built and prepared. For there is a Fire gone out of Heshbon, a flame from the city of Zihon. It hath consumed Ar of Moab and the lords of the high places of Arnon. Woe to thee, Moab, thou art undone. O people of Chemosh, he hath given his sons that escaped and his daughters into captivity unto Zihon, king of the Amorites. We have shot at them. Heshbon is perished even unto Dibon, and we have laid them waste even unto Nopha, which reacheth unto Mediba. Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites. And Moses sent to spy out Jeazer, and they took the villages thereof and drove out the Amorites that were there. May the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. This morning I want us to take as our text particularly the words of verses 24 and 25. Most particularly the words of verse 25 where it says, And Israel dwelt in all the cities of the Amorites. And I want you to think with me on what I am calling this morning victory or vexation. May the Lord be pleased to meet with us. Let's just ask the Lord to bless his word. Father, now we pray that as we look into the word of God, that thou would direct us by the spirit. We pray that thou would anoint our minds and our hearts with the spirit's power moving 
opening us to understand the mind and will of God. We pray that thou will bless now and direct. Lord, help me as thy servant. I pray that thou will let me know the help of the Spirit of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As we start our time in the Word this morning, I'm going to ask you to consider and keep in mind this question. What should be said about the people of Israel at this moment? Let me say that again. What should be said about the people of Israel at this moment? The moment of which we read here. When they had defeated Zihon and then captured the land. Now I will offer a few suggestions. But the real answer I want us to leave until the end. First, we would have to admit that the lives that the people were leading in the desert as they wandered were filled with hardships. Living in a desert was certainly filled with exhausting difficulties. At the beginning of this chapter, we read that they were forced into conflict with the godless enemies that lay about them. There were skirmishes that they had to make, and those skirmishes perhaps made them yearn in their minds and hearts for a settled place and time of peace. Let me say this again. Warfare oftentimes makes you yearn for a place of peace and a place that is comfortable. But in spite of the hardships, in spite of what they had to go through, they were unlike any other people about them. They still had the presence of God. It was visibly and constantly before them. They heard the voice of God plainly through the mouth of Moses. They were able to count on food to eat every day and clothes that would not wear out. Who about them could expect these things? They were plainly the blessed. Hard life, but blessed. Yet, as we read, they were a people that could not keep themselves from corrupting and harmful yearnings. Yearnings for the things that they had no need of nor good from. These people, though God was leading them gently as a shepherd does his sheep, these people were heard to complain not once, not twice, but many, many times. Oh, that we had the ways and goods of Egypt. Why do we have to perish in this wilderness? Oh, that we had those things that we could consume. In other words, these people had appetites. And they had appetites for what was harmful and destructive. Verse 5 of chapter 21 
recounts of this people and that they had spoken these kinds of things not only before Moses but before the Lord and the people spake against God and against Moses the complaining and accusing rebels then saw God allow serpents serpents that reflected the one who was really afflicting them to come to do what is always the end of those that would rebuke God what does it say well verse 6 and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much people of Israel died but in spite of this you see the Lord offering mercy and an amazing remedy that every one of them had to realize was quite out of the ordinary. Whoever healed or whoever heard of being healed from a cobra bite by looking at a serpent on a pole. That had to stop their mouths. That had to stop the complaining. Well, then later in verse or chapter 21, you come to the reading that we read this morning. So let's come back to the question. What should be said about the people of Israel at this moment in time? Let's consider the people. Ignorant and foolish. Perhaps we would describe them as stubborn and selfish. Well, I will stop with the suggestions that I have just made and you might say, well, why? Let's discover who they really were. No, let's stop. The more we list, the more we become judges that tend to think of these people as much less in all ways than we are ourselves. They were this, but well, I'm, I'm not that. No, the truth is that we are so much like these people that there's no way to distinguish between them and us. As the scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They were sinners. So are you and I. What I will say is that the people, as well as ourselves, needed to seek the will of God and stick as close to God as grace would allow. I will say that. In our reading, we see them entering a time which really offers to us a word of warning about ourselves. Really? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't see anything about a warning. Yes, I will tell you that these words that we read in Numbers 21 from verses 21 to 32 are indeed a word of warning. In fact, I think these people in this particular paragraph of the scripture is in a time that perhaps was more dangerous than the day in which the serpents slithered into the camp. We must consider what happened to Israel on the heels of a truly great victory. And there's no doubt about it. The victory over Zihon was a great victory that would never have been expected except the power of God was seen. But was it really a victory? Yes. But to these people, could it also have become a vexation? Let's ask this question and let's also ask the question, how does this relate to us? 
I'm going to seek to prove this following point, and then I'm going to just go over some brief thoughts with you this morning. I want you to think about this. Standing in the light of the blessing of God is no guarantee that all is right with the Lord. Much could be very wrong. Let me say that again. Your standing in the light of the blessing of God is no guarantee that all is right with God. There could be some things that are very, very wrong. And I want us to consider the incident at hand because it teaches us much. My point, again, what seems to be an indication that all is well with us may be in reality a vexation that spells the So, I, I may supply some thoughts to you as if I'm talking about maybe as one of the Israelites might respond back. Maybe even this is what we say within our own hearts. So bear with me. I don't mean to be facetious or uh, overly sarcastic in my statements. I just want you to hear sometimes how we reflect these things that we see. You know, there was a problem. You might say, well, what do you mean? well how can there be a problem? What, what kind of problem? Everything is great. Everything is great. We just beat Zion, uh, the, the king of the Amorites. Everything that we see around us is full of the signs of the blessing of God. Are you trying to rake up some reasons that spoil the whole thing? You terrible legalist, you. You're just a real killjoy. Everything is good. This, this is a time of blessing. No, I'm saying that facetiously. You might say, well, let's look at, let's look at this time then. You, you, perhaps you're saying there's a problem here. Well, let's look at it. Let's list why this is such a great place and where we sit and should be glad. Well, we should just get on with life. Quit being such a stick in the mud. And before I go into another step, I want you to see with me if there's anything here that can be related to how we, or what we see today and how we think. I want you to hear the arguments, perhaps, that were coming out of the mouths of the Israelites, arguments that we have coming out of the mouths. The first one, I think, is this. There was a stupendous victory. Do you not understand, Moses? Do you not understand? We have defeated a king and a people that were greatly far advanced over us. Here is a victory that leaves us as the fear of the nations. What a blessing. What a move of God we've seen. This is a tremendous blessing. Perhaps we may also say God has moved. He has delivered us into the He has delivered into our hands a place and a land. We must be right with God. If we live here, we live under the pleasure of God. We live under the light of the blessing of God. If we are in the light of this victory, that is one thing that perhaps is said. Perhaps it could also be said this way. Look at what we have been given. Look at what have we been given. We have 
houses now. No more tents. We have all the monuments delivered into our hands. Why should we not use these things and you say we're not to stop here, but why not? Perhaps Israel will say, and I'm just making thoughts that come into my mind, oh, we have now wine presses. We haven't had good wine for 25 years. Now we're someplace where we finally got some wine presses. Oh, such wine presses. We've defeated a people. It's the style today. And we have some new food. No more manna. This is a blessing. We even have places of worship. How could you complain? What could you say against that? We have now some places of worship. Now, it may be that they've got some weird things pictured on the walls, idols, but we know better. What a convenience. This is all good. We will the land. Perhaps they would argue this. We can rest now and raise our children in a place with more things to do. Now they can learn to garden. No more herding animals from place to place to place to place. They can learn many things. There's so much more. This is, it's a land of opportunities. Or perhaps this, if you want to put it a little bit more um, with a spiritual argument, we can finally forget Egypt. Now we're where we can dwell. We will finally forget Egypt. Important. We can settle down and get back to real life. No more having to assemble before a mountain that quakes. No more having to worry about plagues and serpents. No more ground opening up under our feet. We've come to a much more solid existence. Let's dwell here. And you can just about hear these people look at Moses and say this. So what's the problem, Moses? The problem is with you. If you tell us we have to follow the pillar and the tabernacle from this moment onward... We're going to dwell here. Well, where's the problem? Here's the problem. Where's all this? Where's all this? You pointed all the things, and I hope you stayed with me through that. But here's the problem. Where's the Lord in all that thinking? What happened to the words of promise that were heard in Sinai that they would do as the Lord commanded and go where he leads. What happened to that promise? They came and they died in the land. And you can almost hear them say this. And again, I say this because I think we hear this today. Moses, that is not a problem. That's yesterday's stuff. We live in a different day now. Different opportunities, different things are around us. And you're bringing up stuff that happened 25 years Really? Really? Let's look at this honestly. 
let's look at this situation honestly. And I'm, now I'm here to the point where I'm going to say, okay, you hear people who would argue, we've got it good, why make a, a mess out of this? Let's see what really the scriptures really say and what the real point was. And if this smacks of today, it is intended to do so. Here's a problem. First, the Lord had instructed in the dwelling. In fact, verse 65, And among these nations thou shalt find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. That's what the Lord says about this whole matter. The Lord's plan was not for the people of God to settle into the places of the ungodly. There was a work to do. There was a ways to go still. It was not time yet to dwell in the cities of the nations. The lesson, I hope we understand this. Just because there was an evidence of the power of God and a moment of the real moving of God, that does not mean that the people of God are to settle into the world around them. That, I say, is a lesson. I hope we all hear that. Just because you can say, well, the Lord has done this, the Lord has established this, the Lord has allowed this, that is not an indication that we are to settle into the world around us. There is no reason seen the power of God before that all things are right for you with God that I say is a plague that is a deception and that I say can become destructive the Lord had not instructed them to do this number two settling in with the things of the ungodly causes a hesitancy to go further If these people now were in houses with lands and fruit trees and wine presses and places that their herds can graze and life comes back to a point of being comfortable, I say that there will be a hesitancy to give all to follow the Lord. Yes, they saw God work. They all said that it was the work of God. So why any harder to defeat the enemy? Why would there be a need to go on in the minds of these people? Perhaps we would even hear today would to leave off the world, go on with God. There's a response, oh, that's hyper-spiritual stuff. There's no need to be taken up with a concern the way that you're saying. That's old stuff. That's yesteryear. That's time. Thank you. A hesitance. The problem, I point out, is this. The problem was that the enemy was still around them. These people hadn't finalized any victories. It was a victory... But it wasn't the victory that the Lord had spoken of when he told them to come out of Egypt. Canaan had not been conquered. The nation 
were still greatly armed and strong. In fact, it even says there that the Ammonites, which were right by their border, was strong. There was not a sa- this place was not a safe dwelling. In fact, it was about as perilous as it's possible to be. Moab, another neighbor, was next door and was viewing them at that very moment. You say, really? Yes. If you just read the next chapters, you read that Balaam was hired, though a very sanctimonious fellow, he was hired to curse Israel. Oh, I can't do it. A little more, please. I can't do it. You see, I've got my hand still out. I can't do it. Yes. Yes. But he does. And Moab is observing Israel with a view to wipe them out. Israel had not finally for them. We need to understand this world is not a safe place for us. Be comfortable in this old world, the things that the world, this is not a safe place for us. It is not unless we dwell with the Lord. We go on with our God that there is safety, for he is our shield. Another point that I will point out is this. What they had in hand had nothing to do with the true God or his will. These things that they came to, if you will, by way of conquest, these things that they now were enjoying, this land that they came and dwelt in, had nothing to do with the true God or his will. I can hear some argument. Well, you know what? That doesn't really matter, does it? There's nothing wrong with this. That we're in the world, that we love the world and use the things of the world, even though they're not of God or by God. There's nothing wrong with this. Let me say this. What's wrong with the things about them was and is to us that it was born out of ungodliness. And has no place among the people of God. The Lord chooses what will bless his people. I would ask, when you say, what's wrong with this? I would just simply say this. Why don't you go ask Achan? What was wrong with the goods of the world? Ask Achan. Many when I say this, ask Achan's family. What happened? The things that they were wanting to enjoy had nothing to do with the Lord God. Fifth, the curse of Kadesh was still upon them. What happened to Kadesh? Do you remember? Moses sent out the spies to go into the land, and the spies came back, and they brought what kind of a report? Well, they brought an evil report, and they caused the people to fear. The Lord had to say, "20 are going to perish in the wilderness." Do you understand that that curse was still in force? So Israel comes and they dwell in the land. Yes, we've got it good. Oh boy, we've we 
whole thing is settled. And no, they were still under that. that was, they were not going to live any longer than they would have if they were in the wilderness. They had rebelled. A man sitting under the blessing of God and the victory that comes through the gospel. Unless he comes to God in repentance, he will surely see the end of God's curse on sin. That's still true. And you might think that a people that had a pronouncement of judgment against them would humble themselves and seek the mercy of God, but no. So many were content to live in the ways... danger you can only you can be a Christian because you go and do the things that Christian do Christians do you can be content with the morality of Christians but you can also be in the place where you're not going on with the Lord himself well I think one last thing I'm going to point out and that is this that this moment was a sign that these people would no longer submit to God's authority they came and they dwelt in the land. You know, the pillars of fire and cloud had not stopped yet, had they? The manna had not been discontinued. The tabernacle was still up. All the signs that the journey had not ended, they were, it was before them still. Well, my question might be this. If the cloudy pillar moved... Would these people leave their comfortable dwellings to go on with God? They came and they dwelt in the cities and the villages of the Amorites. They had the goods of the Amorites. They had the things of the world. If God moved on, would these people give up these things and go on with God? text indicates that when God moved on they died and they did not enter the land that's what happens you know if the Lord were to move in gospel power among us and revival broke out or if the day becomes a day of further battles Will you and I seek to go on with Christ? Or will we sit back and we say, well, I'm in comfort now and I'm enjoying the world's leftovers. I, I, don't, think I, can, I don't think I can sacrifice. I'm saying this was a day of danger. These people came and dwelt where they should not have dwelt. God would eventually give Israel all this land, by the way, just down the road. All this land that they're talking about here. From Arnon up to Jabbok and northward up into Bashan. They would eventually own all of this. But it was not God's plan for them to do so at this point. So I say that's the point. The point. The point. My question is this. That many of us 
sit in the church today and are very much the same as these that dwell in the places of the ungodly before they were able to drive the nations out. I think here is a picture of many. We are comfortable in all the things that the world has to offer. And we, along with them, you, well, there's nothing wrong with it. Again, I say emphatically, what's wrong with this world and all of its trappings is that it has nothing to do with our God. In fact, our God, looking at all these things, looking at what these people were yearning for, and they went and they dwelt in. Our God's instruction is from the scriptures, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. That's the instruction of your God. You have no business being comfortable in all the ways and the excitements of the world. That will come to destruction soon. So I guess I guess a question. Are you content to have a form of godliness but never have a desire to come to the Lord and embrace Him as Lord and Savior? What do those that are truly the Lord's do? Well, the Lord Jesus says in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Hymn writer wrote it this way, Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? We read of Abraham this morning, who settled not into this world, but followed God to the place where God met with him. The Lord Jesus says it this way, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And again, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I've heard it said, not necessarily with these exact words, but I've heard it said more than once by somebody that I know, respect, and love in the Lord. The church is full of people that have never truly gone on with Christ. Never to go on with Christ. So I come back to my original question. This and with this, what should be said about the people of Israel at this moment? I think the answer is this: that they were living for the moment and the comfort of the day. God was believed in, but not believed upon. He was there with them, but he was not Lord. His ways were not those that must be followed. And again, I ask the question, is that the way we are? Is that how it is? They dwelt in the land of the Amorites. And there was a grave problem with that but I think it is a picture that we could learn from well may the Lord allow us to hearers and heeders of the word Lord in heaven we pray that you will bless now this word to our hearts we pray that thou will bless it for Jesus sake pray that thou will use it for the end whereunto thou didst send it we ask thy blessing upon us as we go forth from this place. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake.